It has been 400 years since the Mayflower Compact was first signed there when the Pilgrims came to Plymouth Rock. And today we're going to be talking about that ancient document, even though it kind of seems crazy. It's 400 years has passed. That has been mm. a good amount of time. We're going to look at that. It's actually a really short document that we can just go through in a few quick moments and find out how far have we fallen from where the pilgrims envisioned themselves being. Are we close to that? You know, we're going to line up that towards our modern world. So thank you for joining us. This is Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And I am here with one other. I'm Pastor Min Sparrow. <laughs> You know, a little bit of an awkward intro here. I'm like, I'm really excited to talk about this. And I also don't have anything scripted because we kind of just yeah. kind of go a little bit off the cuff. Of course, we have a framework and I'm just like, yeah, Mayflower. I don't know. I'll let you come in there and lead us in prayer. <laughs> OK, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity and for the excitement around um, looking at you and how you have impacted the world, even uh, outside of Scripture, but through our history and as the people have responded to your grace. So now today, uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear that we may know how you are working in our lives and may we respond in faithfulness. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so it has been 400 years since the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock and they codified their colony there with the Mayflower Compact. And it was something which would come and bind the colonists together and we're going to take an examination of that because it shows what were their beliefs, what were their priorities, how far have we drifted since then. We're going to compare that with, obviously, our modern era. And then we have a few other conversations we're going to have today. We're going to talk about day and night in heaven and how that relates to Revelation 21. And then we're going to play buy, sell, or hold with 15 Thanksgiving slash pre-Christmas. Not fully Christmas movies, <laughs> but kind of Christmas-esque. We're going to have fun. So thank you for joining us again. We're clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. So let's jump right into the Mayflower Compact, shall we? Mm -hmm. I'm going to read it. It's basically a paragraph. It's real short. And then we're going to come back and break it down. So it opened up by saying, in the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign, Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, Defender of the Faith, Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents, solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together in a civil body politic. For our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends, aforesaid, and by virtue hereof do enact, constitute, and frame such just laws and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and officers, from time to time, as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony, unto which we promise all due submission and obedience, in witness whereof we have hereunto subscribed our names at Cape Cod on the 11th of November, in the reign of our sovereign lord, King James of England, France, and Ireland, the 18th of Scotland, and the 54th Anno Domini, 1620. All right, so there's that document. 400 years ago, this was written, and I love how they don't just say 1620 AD. No, they spell it out for you. The year of our Lord, Anno Domini. Amanda, what are your quick thoughts as we read through the Mayflower Compact? Uh, I guess my initial reaction is very interesting, some of the language that they use, and there's... Um a high level of seriousness going on and, and even just like a cursory 
review of the story of the Mayflyers that come here. You've got the Pilgrims or the Separatists, who, who re- was a religious uh, a group looking for freedom, uh, a place to practice their faith freely. And then you also have kind of uh, some sailors and explorers and in general just kind of, I guess, uh, people who really weren't part of their group, but a part of their group. And now they're all having to figure out how to survive and live in this new land. And so they come together with this contract. And it does, like, you can even sense the, the, the seriousness of their expedition in the language that they use because, like, to survive, to live the next day, to get along in this new land with the people they have and the resources they have, this document has to be uh, serious. And, yeah. and I keep using that word, and I'm a loss for uh, some synonyms here, but, yeah, they've got to use it. And I also think it's interesting they talk about, like, a, a, a framework, a, kind of a, a governing system but they don't go into all the details they're like we're gonna figure that out but right now this is this is the foundation that we'll then later build upon sure. uh, as we get to the working and the living of, of the colony sure and a couple of thoughts i want to share on this you mentioned how serious this is it's serious and eloquent and you got to keep in mind the number of people that were there and they did come from a wide variety but you could include them on a single sheet of paper like their whole families, like, and their dogs, like everything could be listed very in subtly in a manifest that's not very large. I mean, it's not a huge amount of people, but yet they're declaring who they are very principally. They come and they say, in the name of God, amen, period, full stop. That's like a whole sentence that it opens yeah. up with. It's very serious. And their language is very precise, meaning they're they're trying to elevate this to a very high level, even though it's just for a handful of people that come from a mm. wide variety of places. But they are taking this very seriously. And keep in mind, they probably could have not anticipated that this would be spread around the Internet, like that so many people could come to read this. It was really meant just for a handful of people to take that seriously. All right. So let's take and break down the language in it. All right. So it opens up by saying, in the name of God, amen. And I find it really fascinating that that's a whole sentence by itself. And they say that it kind of reminds me of how in the book of Exodus, when you get the first nine plagues, the 10th plague is coming, but God kind of puts some parameters around. He's like, all right, hold up. We're going to stop here. We're going to have like some whole chapters dedicated to just preparing for that 10th plague. Mm. You know, they're going to talk about King James and other things of that nature, but they open up by saying, in the name of God, amen, period. And I'll let you pick up there. Uh, To respond to that? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And, and, you know, I was kind of thinking we talk about um, prayer at the beginning of our service. Some people call it an invocation. Some people call it a collect. Um, and, and the, the theological differences that we talk about in that. And I do wonder, obviously, we can't kind of go back in time and ask them their, their framework. But this idea of like, was this in the name of God? Amen. Was this them inviting God into their plans or were they asking uh, for themselves to be submitted under God's plans? And, and I think there's some really like interesting dynamics going on, especially with the colonization of, of the Americas where you do kind of have this weird tension being held because you do have some people who definitely see this as like a missional opportunity, but you also have other people that see this as a conquering opportunity and they kind of like just tag along God's name um, so they can justify their actions. And I think what we understand, at least of the pilgrims, I feel like for them, this really was what it says it is. Yeah, they wanted I... this to be where they were following God's direction and, and I remember recently I was reading a book about evangelism and how it's changed in, in, in recent years with things like uh, sur, sur, uh, su- suburbs 
being created and just where the church has moved and changed its dynamic and relationship to different uh, people groups. And it talked about like we used to see cities and places as an opportunity to be that city on the uh the city of light on a hill. Right. We used to see that as an opportunity. Now some churches are like running away from that responsibility. We're okay with hi- basically hiding out in the wilderness. We're not yeah. quite sure we want to get into the promised land. And um, for them, it seems like the the pilgrims at least are, are desiring um, this at the forefront for them to be, for this to be something more than just a travel or an expedition. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, this is something that, Hopefully, God has ordained at least in the calling. Sure. Um, we history will tell us, I guess, uh, how they if they they were faithful to that or not. But yeah, well, um, I, I think they they had that aspiration. Yes, there's definitely a very clear aspiration upwards towards God, mm-hmm. and you can even see that as they start listing some names after that. You know, in the name of God. And we, whose names are underwritten, you know, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James. And I like how they call him the dread, dread. sovereign, I, I, which is not capital D dread. A lot of times if they're, they'll capitalize <laughs> a lot of stuff in there, but they're kind of like, you know, our dread sovereign Lord King James. But they're also grateful, but I say, by the grace, grace of God, God and the great grace that has come before us here yeah. from Great Britain, France, Ireland, and so forth, we are here. Mm. Um, and it is amazing. <laughs> you do find their attitude there. And I... It really does seem that these people are missional. And if you go back and you actually look at what the pilgrims did, and you even can kind of look at the charters we have for the early colonies, you can clearly see that church life was much more important to them Mm. than, say, some of the things you saw happening with some of others who had come, even someone like Ponce de Leon. You, You do see that with the pilgrims, it really was something a lot more like what we might find in a uh, Anabaptist community like Amish or Mennonites today, where there are these people looking to set themselves apart. They're willing to bring people in, but they also have very strict rules. Mm-hmm. And they're they're happy that they have those strict rules and they're they're very you know noble in their hearts about them and they'll profess them with great joy and say, These are the rules, come along. Yeah. All right. Uh let's get to the next line, shall we? Okay. Um, having undertaken for the glory of God in the advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. I'll just let you step in, see what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I again, I do think it's interesting. Um, <laughs> going back to that other line, the dread sovereign Lord, I, I'm sure that was just the language you had to use when referring to King James. Like it was kind of like you, like that's part of his title. Um, but yeah, the the honor of king and country. Um, I, why? I guess what you have here written is pretty close to the original in the sense that they capitalize voyage for no, some. No, this stranger. is the original language. Yeah, like, completely so, like, brought in. I don't know why they would do that. Um, it, it does seem a bit odd to me. Um, but yeah, no. It, it, I think all of this is very interesting. They've got kind of their the the um the telos. Their goal, the ultimate aim of yeah. what they're what they're doing is to um, to the glory of God, advancement of the faith, also the honor of king and country, to plant this colony. Um, and, and so, I think they've got some very lofty goals. They do, and and I think they're also going to quickly find out. Um, I can't exactly remember like where this place is in the chrono- in the order of when, like how long they've been settled and things like that, but. Um, well, I guess it says like November. So they've just gotten here. Yeah, they've just gotten here. And so they don't know yet that the fact, like, I think, isn't it like half of them are going to die in yep. that first winter? Yeah. They don't know that um, just the 
horrific things they're going to have to face or the, the horrific things that are going to happen in, in generations later of, as people come in and, and, and colonize that area. Like, they have no idea just how bad things are going to happen. I, I will add a, add a contrast to that. They do clearly have the biblical worldview that says we are looking upwards towards heaven, mm. regardless of what may touch the body. And it's interesting. This is the era of King James. You know, we have like the 1611 um, which would have been fairly new at this yeah. point in time. I don't know how many King James Bibles came with them, but hmm. it's possible they had some King James Bibles well, there. And these were, um, I called them Puritans earlier, and they're not Puritans. Um, they're they're separatists. So they, they may not have had the King James Bible because I think they true. were quite angry yeah, with true. King James and the Anglican Church. I mean, that may have been why, because uh, I, I believe there were... Uh, I think it was a misprint. I don't think it was intentional, but there was one uh, printing of the, of the King James Bible, and I'm not sure it may have been after this, where they forgot to say put the not in thou shalt not commit adultery. Um, and it caused quite, as you can imagine, the, the, uh, 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 a conflict that, within the life of the say- church. That is a big error. Yes, that was a big problem. Um, and so, but I like, like to your point, and I guess that's where I was trying to go is they don't know what's about to hit them as far as how bad things are going to happen, but they have this goal to be something more than the conflicts that, that are happening, have sure. happened in the past and, and will happen in the future. And beyond that, you find the order of things. One, for the glory of God. Like they've got that. No other gods before me. Mm-hmm. Love your Lord, your God, and love him so much that you therefore love your neighbor. They've got that. Um, mm-hmm. They start with that, love your the Lord, your God. And we just run into some sort of crazy internet connection problem. Hopefully everyone is still with us. If not, we can <laughs> work on that. Uh, but continuing on here, yep. it, it has this eloquent order of things. The glory of God, the advancement of the Christian faith, the honor of king and country. These things are happening, and that's why they have undertaken this voyage. Mm. And you look at them, they're looking upwards at the throne of heaven. They have gone out on this adventure into the unknown that they might plant this colony. It's just fascinating. All right, so let's go to the next line I've got here. They mentioned that they, these who are present, these presents, they are solemnly and mutually in the presence of God, binding one to another together in into a covenant and a civil body politic, and they spell politic different than we do as well. That's also interesting. It also looks a lot like potluck. Yeah. And you see how they spell it, which throws me off. They, that, that would be the modern church. We bind ourselves together in the <laughs> civil body potluck. But these people, they come along in their civil body politic in the presence of God. This is the true understanding that in the church, you're not a pure collective. You're not legion. And if so, then you need to be um, exercised. Um, and you're not... A, you're not supposed to be someone who cuts yourself off and don't love your neighbor and you just go and live in isolation. There's there's supposed to be a, a um, straight and narrow pathway where you are an individual who lives within a collective and there's different responsibilities and you know mm-hmm. the way that we relate to the world around us has that balance. And they pretty well understand that. We're standing here before God. We're here with one another as individuals, but also mutually, solemnly and mutually. I just find it to be really beautiful language. You know, people do not talk like this. They, in just a single paragraph, they have a whole worldview fleshed out so well. Mm, Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing, again, understanding that since there were different groups with different goals kind of in mind, 
when they came together on that boat and then now as they're they're hitting the new land they realize they cannot like this group can't go out and do its thing its own thing that may even be antithetical to what this group wants to do like they have to work together and they have to be responsible for one another and again some of that will fall will work really well and uh, i think at one point um some people will get mad and leave like some decades later but yeah the goal was for them to work together and to find this covenant uh, body together and to help one another. And I think it, it really, yeah, it does speak that this group of pilgrims were able um, to do that, to, to call this diverse group of people together um, to work together. Because you do have, obviously, even in the, the, the body of Christ, you're going to have conflict uh, there's going to be tensions, but then how do you handle that? How yeah. do you deal with it? And they're saying from the onset, we're going to work together. Like we're yeah. going to, we may yeah. disagree, we may get angry, but we're going to work together. Because also, like the reality was, if you didn't work together, you were going to die. Like there yeah. was no, no other option. You couldn't go off and start your own church, which is kind of what they were doing. But anyways, uh, they're separatists at least. But no, like they couldn't just be like, I'm going to start my own colony. You know, a hundred feet over this way, like because you would die. You don't have the resources to just get yep. mad and leave. You got to stick together. And to that point, there is a understanding of the common good that they are forced to assemble around, but they also take nobility in assembling around it. And that gets to our next line, mm-hmm. where they say, "For our better ordering and." preservation and to the furtherance of the ends aforesaid. In other words, the reason that we've come here for the glory of God, the advancement of the Christian faith, we have by virtue hereof do enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and officers from time to time as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony. Mm -hmm. And good is capitalized there. It's a capital thing. It is something which is to be emphasized. And again, this eloquent and majestic language is meant for just a handful of people who, like you said, there is a great amount of diversity of thought among these people. There's also a big difference in their stations in life. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you've got some children who are here, but you also have some people who are sent here with a little bit more gravity behind them being their their families, kind of where they come from. Then you have people. I mean, you just really have a very mixed group of people, even though there's a very small assembly of them. It's not a huge group. It's not like there is, you know, five million people come over. You know, there's just a handful of them. But they have assembled around the common good and they are aspiring towards heavens. And it is something which is so rare. And they they wrap all that up by saying we do all of this in submission and obedience and witness whereof. And here we have subscribed our names. So I'll let you have some final thoughts on this, and then we'll move on to our Bible study. Okay. Well, I just think, again, it's very interesting, this being their goal and, and that which is going to help unite them and empower them. Um, and, and I think it is fascinating. They took the time to write it. Because like you said, I think it was like 100 and some odd people. Um, it was not many. And no. it, you know, And by the end of that winter, half of them have died or... It, after this, uh, the winter after this writing, but they took the time to, to, to evaluate their situation enough and evaluate themselves enough to be like, we need something that's going to articulate this worldview of uh, community and covenant and submission under God. And I think that's just, I think it's a beautiful thing to aim for uh, and that we need to aim for as people to, to understand who we are and our situation and then how we need to respond appropriately. I think that's a great way to wrap that up. 
Alrighty, folks, so we'll be back here in a moment. We have two more segments we're going to do today. We're going to be talking about uh, day and night as that relates not just to the earth, but also how that relates to heaven. And we're going to be doing some studies out of Revelation 21, and we're just going to have some fun with that. And then we'll wrap up our program with a buy, sell, a hold on Thanksgiving and pre-Christmas movies. <laughs> so we'll be back here in a moment. We thank you for spending time with us here at Kingdom of the Logos. You know, it's really nice to see the great aspirations of the pilgrim as they made their journey. See that pilgrim mentality that comes along to say, let us aspire up towards the heavens. We're having this voyage. But when we look up towards heaven, there's a lot of things that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And I want to say on the forefront of this Bible study we're about to do, this is meant to be something which stirs our nerves. It kind of causes our brains to have some critical thinking about heaven. It is not a conversation that is pertinent to salvation, though. Um... We're, we're going to be examining some things that we do not have answers for. And I think if anyone does have answers for that, um, there might be some questions. I don't know. I guess God reveals things to, to people like John, so it's certainly possible somebody could have an answer to this. Uh, I do not. I do not think Pastor Amanda does. And we are going to look at something, and we're going to try to establish some patterns. Because while this is not something pertinent to salvation, it does take and open up our minds to understand the biblical worldview. How does God's order apply in the world around us? And when it comes to the things which are pertinent to salvation, those critical things which are essential to our faith, how do we actually carry them out in the world? Do we expect God's order to give us these indicators? Or do we expect God's order to tell us to not do certain things? You know, what does it mean to actually live out the biblical worldview? So the question we have, and this is one that was presented to me about a month or two ago, is the question of, is there nighttime in heaven? Hmm. And you can look somewhere like Revelation 21 and see that in the new heaven, there is a light eternal, which we'll get there in a moment. But it also begs the question, well, is there night during the current or old heaven? And also when you see God create the heavens and the earth there in Genesis, when he puts these noble bodies up in the you know, great, you know, span above us when we see the sun and the moon come to give us night and day, you do wonder, is that something that's meant explicitly for the earth? It kind of seems, seems to indicate that, but, you know, there's a chance that could apply beyond earth. You know, the logic is there. Hmm. So I have a few scriptures I want us to read about this, and then we'll have our conversation. So when you look to Revelation chapter 21, and you look at verses 1 through 2, you see what John saw. A new heaven and a new earth, for the first earth and the first heaven had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and it was prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, when you skip all the way down to verse 22 through 25, you actually get some more direction on the topic at hand. It says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Okay, so it mentions the temple. <laughs> you do find a temple earlier in the book of Revelation. It does indicate that there may have been some temple in heaven. Um, its connection with the templeman, temple of Solomon that we find is a little bit ambiguous, and... 
It's a lot of questions we have there, a lot of mystery we have there. But Amanda, I'll kind of throw this to you first. What do you think about nighttime in heaven? And we're going to really apply that to not the new heaven that comes with the new earth, but kind of the current or old heaven. I know all this gets really in the weeds really quickly. Okay, so heaven as it exists currently. Yes. Hmm. Um, well, well, yeah, that is an interesting question. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to gather my thoughts a little bit. Um, well, we know that heaven isn't really like a place in the sense of even if we had a rocket ship or if we could get in the Millennium Falcon or the USS Enterprise, like we cannot warp speed to heaven. Like there, yeah. we cannot travel enough, go far enough to get to a place called heaven. Um, like we're going to arrive to the city where God resides. That That's... So in that sense, I don't know if like the normal laws of the universe apply to uh, heaven in that sense, because there's day and night, obviously there's not in space, um, but any planet we were to be able to travel to, there would be some semblance of a day and a night because it's revolving and rotating and doing its thing around a sun, whether it's our sun or a sun in a different galaxy, which is also fascinating. We haven't named our sun. We haven't even really named our planet or our moon. They're just earth and moon and sun, but everyone else gets fun names. <laughs> Anyways, um, so so the, the, the order of the cosmos, you know, ex- that those rules apply wherever we go. Um, Maybe potentially, I don't know. You have gravity, but you also have like the theory of the dark, uh, the dark hole and, and different things in anti gravity. But, anyways, as we're trying to discover this, but like heaven, I don't know as it currently stands if it would have darkness or it, I don't think it would exist in the sense of it's revolving around a sun. So, in that sense, it wouldn't have darkness and light, but it has a pattern to it. There's order still. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I well, thought that, I had a better answer until you asked it. I thought we were talking about the new heaven. And then you're like, no, the heaven now. And I'm like, dang it. I didn't think okay, that. Well, you know, you did. <laughs> all right. So picking up kind of where you left off, we, we do know that there's order to it. Yeah. There's an order to everything God creates and darkness and nighttime. A lot of times we use them kind of overlapping images. Um, nighttime itself is not evil. Right. We, we use it darkness to be a reference for evil quite often because darkness is the absence of light. But in nighttime, there actually is still a little bit of light. You have the light which comes from the moon. It's reflecting the sun. Um, It's not this absolute darkness that you might find in a cave or something like that. And nighttime itself is actually designed by God. It's part of his created order. It's not something which is explicitly evil. And you could make the case that if God had, there's clearly some overlap between the order of the earth and the order of heaven, though they're obviously different. I mean, you can look at something like Genesis 6, and you see there are the sons of God who come to intermingle with the daughters of men, and there's some sin, kind of cross-dimensional sin that goes on there that's pretty weird. But you can see that there are heavenly beings which have broken the rules. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you can look at the story of Lucifer and see how he has broken the rules. Um, There are obviously some order and rules set for the heavenly host and even the, the territory of heaven itself. Um, and like you said, you can't just build the Tower of Babel and go up there and get to heaven and steal its throne. Um, it, it exists kind of in a different plane than anything that we can just will ourselves to to access. But you can make the case that, well, if God's order applies here, God's order applies there. But mm-hmm. then you're ultimately going to find yourself kind of along the line of, does that particularity apply over there as well? Because you can also look at, say, a dog, and that's not 
created in the image of God the same way that a person is, um, though there's still God's fingerprints on the dog, and you can still see the breath of life with it. And with God's creation, there are different times and places and different roles and different talents given to different aspects of his creation. So you could clearly make the case that says, no, there's not nighttime in heaven because that was something which was allotted to the creation of the earth. But then you could also make a, a very compelling case that say, well, since it is part of God's established order, that could very well apply to heaven as much as it does now. And hence why in the new heaven, God goes out of his way to specify that there is no nighttime there because the current heaven, for some reason, does have that pattern going on with it as well. Well, I think also looking at why this would be important for for it to be revealed to John and then John to write to his congregation, like we see that there's not going to be a temple because you don't need uh, that place of mediation anymore because there is direct access to God. And I think the same thing, like it says, he says there will be uh, no more night. And then later on he says... Um, the gates will never be shut. And, and we have to think like in that time and in that era, even now, even though there's not anything explicitly or in, um, evil about nighttime, but that's when like chaos is kind of unleashed, right? Yeah. It, when it's dark, that's where most crimes are committed. Um, when things aren't well lit, that's where like, you know, nefarious acts happen. And if you were trying to siege a city by surprise, you would probably try to go at nighttime. And again, that's why people shut the gates. And so this is saying like, you don't have to worry about the dark, not because dark is evil, but the things that happen in the dark, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to worry about someone coming out and trying to mug you. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, someone coming in to invade uh, the heavenly city because it is protected by God. Yeah. And that, that is really where this logic ultimately takes you. In, in God's domain, you do not have to worry about the thieves coming in to steal among you. And that's certainly true of the new heaven and the new earth as well. Um, which, by the way, since you are more looking in that direction, why don't we take things in that direction <laughs> okay. for a little bit further? Um, and by the way, we're just having fun with this conversation. I hope that it is interesting and meaningful to you. When you see the new heaven, the new earth, I always wonder, where does the new Jerusalem sit in all of that? Is it part of heaven, or part of earth? Uh, it's it's kind of described as coming down out of heaven. Um, well, but I, it also kind of seems to be some sort of intermediary place, kind of like Washington, D.C. is kind of... Not really a state. Not really a state, kind of there in, you know, Virginia. But at the same time, it's kind of its own thing, too. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I think... Um yeah, because it says that the city comes down. So imagine it's earth. And, and, and I do think it, it also maybe the the imagery gets kind of funny with us in the sense of it's not so much like where we think of heaven and earth, but it's almost like there is there is a marriage taking place because it says that she's adorned uh, as a bride for her husband. So there's something happening where it's no longer two individual entities although they they kind of retain their individualness but now there's something different where now there's a union there's a marriage uh, there's a covenant that is a perfect covenant where heaven and earth are one um and, and so yeah i don't know i know again remembering back to like sunday school where they used to have in the sunday school children's curriculum like those little like picture cards like the the teacher would show them as she's telling the story yeah i don't know if you ever experienced that like there was like text the story was written on the back of the card so she could read and, and show you as she was telling it and like i remember there was some picture of like 
it was a square cube that was like coming down out of the heavens and it was going to land on top of the like historical Jerusalem, which was always funny. They depicted Jerusalem as like the historical Jerusalem in the sense of like the old gates and the, like it looked like from the first century, which obviously wouldn't, even if the new Jerusalem was to land on top of the old Jerusalem. That's, that's not, not what Jerusalem yeah. looks like right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, huh? um, so it was very odd, but I just remember like it was a cube and I don't remember why it was a cube. I think somewhere in Revelation it talks about Yeah, it's about described. The yeah, in yeah. Revelation 21 it's been, oh, okay. yeah, so been it, completely square-like. but It was almost like the, the old sci-fi movie, The Blob. Like that's what it kind of <laughs> reminded me of. Like it was, it was just coming to conquer and like, overtake the old Jerusalem it I think it was meant to be a hopeful imagery but I always thought of, of it quite like bad sci-fi now, now it's starting to sound like the Borg in Star Trek um so all right so just know. to kind of wrap this up with some positive things okay. God's order rings true mm-hmm. and that is what is pertinent to salvation you know we talked yes. about how this conversation is meant to be a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun well God's order is necessary to salvation and God's order, it will ring true. His justice will come. There will be a judgment of the living and the dead, and there will be life eternal for those who are cleansed and found innocent, not by their own power or by their own doings, but by the blood of the Lamb. So that's very important. All right, so we're going to come back and have buy, sell, or hold. That's going to be the most fun part of this show. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving movies and movies leading up towards Christmas, things Christmas. to watch with your family. And we've got a top 15 list, and Amanda will get to buy, sell, or hold them. And I will, too. Some of these were submissions. Some of these I put together. I did tweak the list a little bit, mm. but we'll be back with that here in a moment. So thank you for spending time with us. Again, this is Kingdom of the Logos. All right, and as we come back together, it's time for some fun playing buy, sell, or hold. And how this works with a list, if you buy it, then that means you not only agree with it, but you think it's at the right place in the list. If you sell it, that means you disagree with it or you think it's at the wrong place of the list. That might mean you think it's too low, it might be too high, or maybe you just think it needs to be thrown away. So this isn't just like a random list, but an ordered list. It's an ordered list, yep. And... Of course, you only get one hold per episode. So that doesn't totally apply to a list, but we'll let it stand. Okay. Okay, so you ready for this, Amanda? Yes. Are we going in order from 15 to 1 or 1 to 15? Uh, 15 to 1. Okay. And 1 being the most important for you to watch. yeah. Okay. And these are Thanksgiving and pre-Christmas movies. All right. So they might be something worth watching, but it's not going to be like The Grinch or It's a Wonderful Life or Nestor the Longa Christmas Donkey, which is the best Christmas movie. <laughs> Though It's a Wonderful Life is the best movie ever made. So do with that whatever you may. Some of these are submissions, some of them are not. All right, you ready? Yep. All right. We're not going to start with number 15, okay. even though this is a 15 list. And that's because what was given to me as number 15, I don't think deserves to be there. Oh, you've already so I've made it. the editorial decision of putting it at number 25 because <laughs> there's got to be 10 movies better than this, but it needs to be on the list. And we're not going to do numbers 15 to 24, but I have I have knocked this one down to 25, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I get why this should be on this list because it, it is a movie that people watch between Halloween and Christmas. Mm-hmm. I do not personally like this movie. I don't think it's the, you know, the wretch of hell that some people make it out to be. Um, I don't know that I think it's as good as some people make out to be. I understand why some people might think it's aspirational, so I'll let it slide, but it doesn't get to be number 15. It's number 25 because there have to be 10 movies better than this. Amanda, buy, sell, or hold. 
Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I would buy it at just 15, at just calling it 15, because I can't think of 10 other movies, so um, I'll buy it as is, though. You'll buy it as is? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it deserves to be 15, so I knocked it down to 25, because, like... <laughs> Uh, that's an editorial thing. All right, so TV shows are included on this as well, and that okay. brings us to number 14, The National Dog Show, which a lot of people watch on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. In fact, in a lot of the pastoral visits and stuff that I do, I see a lot of people watching this on Thanksgiving, The National Dog Show. Yeah. And it's kind of a big deal, and it's actually yeah. kind of nice to have on in the background. Yeah. It's one of those kind of atmosphere things. You have on the dog show to do the atmosphere. So that's number 14. You know, I, I might bump that one up a little bit. I, I, I don't know of all the ones that are on our list, so I can't say for sure. But I feel like, because it is just kind of, and, and I think the more and more we get into, like, whatever this year is, um, the more I enjoy, like, just good, clean, simple, fun shows. Like, I've been watching The Great British Bake Off, which is just people baking food. It's really nice. Like, there's no, like conniving or trying to like sabotage people to win it's just simple and I, I think we need more of that so I think I'll, I, I'm i gonna sell this one because I think it should be higher on the list take note national dog show you just had somebody say this should be really high on the list <laughs> I said I think higher you, <laughs> you have found your target customer <laughs> I was gracious I'm letting it be in the top 15 list <laughs> It came in at number 14 um, because it, it the Nightmare Before Christmas has to be the last. Lower. Has to be. Um, okay. All right. We'll, we'll go on to number 13. Right. The Mouse and the Mayflower. And now, this is an old um, film. A lot of people haven't seen this, but it is pretty good, and it does deserve to be on the list, The Mouse and the Mayflower. Yeah, I, I think so. I'll buy it where it is because I, I can't – I feel like I have a vague memory of watching it maybe in elementary school or, or at church um, at some point, like uh, – where mom was trying to keep us quiet while she was doing church work. Like, I just, I, I feel like I've yeah. seen this before, but it's been a while. So, yeah, I'll agree where it is. I'll buy it. Yeah. And again, not spending a lot of time there because not everyone has seen it, but do check it out. The Mouse and the Mayflower. It's it's pretty good. All right. Number 12, The Sound of Music. Yeah, I'll buy it. I, I don't know necessarily why it's on a Thanksgiving pre-Christmas Christmas list. Um, Because it doesn't really revolve around any of those times, I don't think. But it's a good family movie so if that's the kind of thing like if you're gathering as a family yeah it is yeah because yeah. some of these other movies will fit in that category yeah too, you just need gathering. something like for sure that is okay for the little ones but also it's not gonna like bore the older ones to tears and i know like you hate musicals but it's a really it's a good classic musical and i think most like 95 percent of your family will enjoy it so I, i'll buy it and since it's already been told on me that i hate musicals <laughs> i gotta sell it um, just a flat rule on movie list. If it's a musical, I'm going to sell. I think we should do a, a list of top 10 musicals then. Oh, that would be easy for me because I already know <laughs> the answer to it. So, to but all then you would have to evaluate it within the context of musicals, not just oh, as a true. musical. If they're all, yeah, if they're all bad, which is the worst, <laughs> that could be interesting. I oh love my. musicals, so that would be fun. But anyways, let's continue. <laughs> okay, okay. So this one is another TV thing. So every year, the Detroit Lions, they host they host a Thanksgiving big game, and so do the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. So turning on the Detroit Lions, Dallas Cowboys, which I haven't ever been too much into watching a lot of NFL and football at the professional level. But when I do, the Detroit Lions are my fans. Or they're, they're my team, and the reason is because they're not bad, but they always lose, and therefore... <laughs> You're in a great place Somebody where there's going to be should. something entertaining, yeah. and you're going to go. You're kind of 
if anything good happens, you're always on top. So it's, mm. you're always if anything good happens, you're on top. And if something bad happens, you're not surprised. Um, so that comes in at number 11. I'm going to have to sell this. I don't like football, so I'm kind of selling it for the same reason you sold The Sound of Music. Fair. I, I can see why people would enjoy it. So I'm not saying it shouldn't be on the list, just lower on the list. And also, I've got some bitter rem- memories growing up where, like, the boys could go watch football or play football, but the girls had to clean up after Thanksgiving. So I'm just going to be bitter about it and say sell. <laughs> oh, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, the sins that are forgiven are forgiven. Those that are retained are retained. And, you know, Christ gives people that, suggesting that that's an option. So... May God have mercy on it. This is where the true heresy comes. Ladies and gentlemen, we're joking over here. We're having fun, Um, which is really true when you get number 10. Number 10 on this list, this was also recommended, uh, Gremlins, Mm. which is a little bit more Christmassy. My grandmother will watch Gremlins and laugh. There's a scene where the gremlin gets put in like a... um, A a A blender or a food processor. And like in a microwave, and she just laughs her head off at that. And I'm like, how, how how is it that you... Don't watch horror movies, but this is hilarious to you. It doesn't make any sense, but um, maybe I just don't have a sense of humor. Um, Gr- Gremlins coming in at number 10. I'll buy it. Yeah, it, it's kind of like one of those like Christmas but not quite Christmas movies, so you can enjoy it any time of the year, but it's also um, fun. And I, I've not watched it in its entirety, so I guess I can't quite uh, judge on it, but I'll, I'll buy it. Yeah. All right, yeah, and how have you not watched that in its entirety? It's 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 gremlins. <laughs> it's and my dog Baron, the dog, he basically is a gremlin. <laughs> Literally, he's he's a monster. Um, number nine is also a Christmas, not Christmas movie. Die Hard. Mm, yeah. Um. Oh gosh, I wish I knew what else the list would be on because I feel like it should be higher on the list. Because it, but also that is not a film to watch with the whole family. So that in that sense of like you're like kind of gather around kiddos we're gonna watch a movie together you don't want to do a Die Hard, um, but it is a fun and great action movie, so I'll buy it as nine. I'll buy it. I'll okay. just leave it there. Okay. Yeah. All right, number eight. Uh, this is a movie I have to be in the right mood for, and I know a lot of people aren't into older movies, but it is probably one of the best films ever made, and could probably be listed as one of the top films ever made. The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that it actually was made in color. It was one of the first films that really people could see in color. And that whole transition from black and white to color, that was how that was originally shot and filmed. You could see that in like 1939. And just the phenomenal story that it tells where there is this adventure, there's this journey, there's this upward aspiration. And you find out that, you know, sort of like we talked about earlier, heaven's not this place where you can just have the magic formula, build the right spaceship and you make it to heaven. You know, you can't just go find the wizard and have all your problems solved. There has to be some internal uh, Mm -hmm. transformation that happens. It is a phenomenal fairy tale story. The Wizard of Oz is really great. Um, the characters in it are, are great. They, they really set forth a lot of movie archetypes. They, they are the cliche because they, they're the, <laughs> the grandfather of all these things. So Blue Wizard yeah. of Oz there at number eight. I think it's funny you like that one because it is a musical. Technically. But anyways, I'll pick on you later on that one. But no, it is a great film. Um, and I do agree. It is. I mean, that's why it's so timeless. Why people keep coming back to. It. I didn't realize it was that old in the. Th- yeah. What do you said? The thirties. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that old. I, I kind of put it more in like the fifties or sixties. So, I mean, and it is phenomenally not only aspiration in the story, but in the technology it took to create yeah. it. Um, now there were some horrific things that happened to the actors in making that film. If you yep. read some of the behind the scenes, but as a movie, as in the story that happens within 
uh, that time frame or the the movies world. Yeah, it is definitely excellent. I'll I'll buy it as eight. Yeah, The Wizard of Oz. And if younger people haven't ever watched it, it is it is worth watching. Okay, number seven, another Christmas not Christmas movie, uh, Home Alone. Yeah. Um, I don't really like that movie, but I, I understand why people like it, so I'll just buy it. Yeah, I, I definitely think it deserves to be on the list. Um, so I'll I'll buy it. Yeah. I made the editorial decision to move this one to seven. Um, oh, where was it before? That was a suggestion. Oh. Uh, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, number five, Batman Returns. Now this is the one that has Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. It has Michael Keaton as Batman. It's got Catwoman. It's very Christmassy. Uh, it has Christopher Walken playing Christopher Walken. He's a monster <laughs> by himself. And Danny DeVito is perfect as the penguin. The whole movie has the right atmosphere. It's it's gritty enough that adults can enjoy it, but it's also kind of campy. Uh, it, and yeah, it's it's children can enjoy it too. Yeah, I I liked it. I, I like most of the um older Batman's. Obviously, the last one was that Batman and Robin wasn't so great with Mister Freeze and Poison Ivy. But yeah, I'll buy this. <laughs> Everybody chill. <laughs> I, I people people act like they don't like Arnold is not awesome. Arnold is amazing. He he is exactly what he was supposed to be for that. So like you can't fault him. Like he did exactly what he was told to do and did it excellent. I I don't yeah. get why people like the dialogue is cheesy. It's amazing. It's <laughs> if if you are a villain who is an ice themed villain how do you not why, pull off what else ice, would you do yeah, yeah. <laughs> why would you not communicate in ice themed puns all day like and it actually takes a lot of wit to communicate in puns all day for the record that's a very clever thing ice to see you yeah no i i yes no, yeah it is but uh, but the batman um uh Returns. I was about to say Batman Begins. No, Batman Returns. Yeah, I think I would I would keep that on this list. And by the way, it's probably the best Batman movie of those older Tim Burton era style Batman. Yeah. I, I really do I'll think it that. is. I'll buy that. Yeah. I'll buy that too. <laughs> and, which I actually like the Joker as portrayed by... Um, Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson. Um, I almost called him the name he has in the movie um, where he's, he's also Jack. But Jack Napier. Mm. Um, Close enough. <laughs> But I, I do think the other one's just a better overall film. I like mm. the whole style of it. Yeah. Okay, so coming in next, we have, this is not Christmassy at all, but it is a family movie to watch at this time of year, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd say f- maybe like upper elementary, middle school family film. Um, there, there's some very violent scenes. You got to know your children well for that. But um, yeah, well, and actually in The Hobbit, it mentions a Christmas tree. Um, which is just exciting to think of in this fictional world that the hobbits have Christmas. Um, but uh, or it may have been in in, in the, the Fellowship of the Ring. They mention it. It's in Bilbo's house. But anyway, so yeah, I, I could buy this as a as a. Um, and also, like, if you watch the extended editions, they're like four hours a piece over six movies. So tw- you have twenty four hours a film to pick from that you can just have in the background or like if you need the people to have like settle down quiet time or if you need in the background while you're cooking or cleaning so yeah it would be just great just to plop that sucker in and just have it all day i think that would be excellent for thanksgiving <laughs> yeah um i agree and we're in the top five for okay. the record now i mean that was number five oh, number four yeah. is the lion the witch and the wardrobe and so this is the new adaptation of that obviously there's an older movie but the new one that came out just a few years ago and i actually think it's a pretty good film oh yeah it, they didn't do all of the chronicles of narnia kind of like i expected them to they meant uh, to but they ruined the voyage of the dawn treader and rightfully so 
didn't make good money on it, and so they stopped. And But now Netflix has the rights to it, and hopefully somebody can do well with it. Yeah. Do they have the rights to the, all of the series or just the successive I th- movies? I think... I think all seven of the books. Okay. So they they could they could do the magician's nephew, the horse and his boy, the last battle. They could do all of it. Yeah. I believe so. I don't I, know what order they're going to do it in, but I believe they have rights to all of it. I don't know that you could portray it visually, but when C.S. Lewis describes Aslan singing the world together, mm. that that is one of the most chilling things that I've ever seen. C.S. Lewis he can write theology really well in a fictional story. Yeah. And I mean he even says that in one of his novels. I think it's the Out into the Silent Planet. He ends with a chapter that says, you know, if you want to tell people truth quickly, tell it to them in a story because that'll travel faster than we'll like cold cut news. Yeah, I just read something that says don't tell people, help them imagine or something to that effect. And that's basically like you're not dumping information. You're creating a place for them to imagine and grow. And and that's what C.S. Lewis did. Yeah, And you kind of got to strike a balance there, of course. You don't want to just be someone who spins fiction. But. There is an art that C.S. Lewis really tapped into as mm-hmm. as a writer. He was much better at writing theology through something like the Chronicles of Narnia, showing Aslan sing the world together than just having a commentary on Genesis. I, I do hope they can do that well, Netflix. Um, we will see. Um, but as it pertains as to watching the movie, it is um, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. I think, I don't remember if Disney did it and then they sold the rights and somebody else did the next two movies or if it was vice versa but whoever created it really did well on intentionally um making the whole atmosphere yeah be what c.s lewis kind of imagined and they worked with c.s lewis's um stepson uh, whose name's escaped me right now but in the making of the first film and you can definitely then see like the next two weren't as good because they didn't do that they didn't continue that kind of like intimate relationship and research but the first one is very fantastic and it is kind of christmas themed because they do meet father christmas and you have the whole eternal winter thing going on but it's not really christmasy um so it it is really it it is a good movie and that is a great one it's got some action in it so it keeps you entertained but it is good for all ages too as a family film and it it, because it kind of holds that christmas not christmas tension you can watch it in this holiday season, it would be a yeah. good time to watch it. And since we talked about atmosphere and portraying biblical things, the movie DreamWorks did it, I believe, The Prince of Egypt. Mm. When it shows Moses at the burning bush, it is not at all how I would ever imagine that scene. They kind of have him in a cave, and it's dark with sort of this interesting color palette of things coming in. But it is stunning. They did a superb job with that. You kind of only get a few chances to shoot these momentous events in in scripture and you do find people who can pull that off and i hope they could do that with aslan singing the world together it's surprising for dreamworks i don't know what their intention was but i i don't i i doubt it had any kind of lofty evangelical uh or evangelistic spin on it but how how kind of the broke clock is right twice a day kind of thing happened where they they hit onto something so so beautiful and and i think that's what with with chronicles of narnia the movie um Almost by accident, they, they really walked into something quite quite fantastic. They they did. Okay, so number three on our list, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So that's obviously a, a TV event for most people. Not I, many people go to New York and watch that, but... I have always found it so boring. I don't get it. Like, I don't... Why are we watching giant balloons? Like, I would, I would put the dog show above this and i'd even put football above this like i don't like football but at least there's something happening and i get like i know some people are gonna like send in, your pitchforks send them to me all right send them i think to it's Hilton, in but. luke chapter nine where the 
the disciples, they call on the fire of heaven down on like the Samaritan town. There are people out there calling the fires of heaven down on because um, someone has disparaged the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I just don't get it. I mean, it and should be on this list. I think it has good qualities. I just don't think it should be number, what, three? Three. Yeah, yeah I put it maybe ten. Maybe. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. And, of course, I, I'm, I'll buy it there. And the last two we have, um, number two, is a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Why wouldn't that be number one? What do you have above it? <laughs> Wait and see. And, and keep in mind, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving is the one where Snoopy, he actually puts together the whole Thanksgiving mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Because there's also a film where they are on the Mayflower. I think this one should be number one, so I'm going to sell it. Okay. So, but um, I mean, it, I think just be, I'm only selling it because I think it should be number one. And by the way, can you guess what's number one if by j- what I just said? Oh, is it mouth? the other other Charlie Brown one? Yeah, the other one is number one. So that's what I've got would, for number one. I would I would switch them. You would switch them? Yeah. Um, number one, uh, the Mayflower Voyagers, which is actually part of a series called This is America, Charlie Brown. I didn't realize huh. that. There was a whole TV special they had that looked at American history. And the Mayflower Voyagers was part of that. But a lot of time what we see on the television actually is a edited version of the Mayflower Voyagers to fit within a 30-minute time slot to be coupled with the a Thanksgiving or it's, it's Thanksgiving. a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving to couple them together as an hour segment. Huh. But it actually was a little bit longer than what we normally see. Um, I don't imagine there's a big difference because yeah. they, they trim those things down. But it was just for time purposes. But, yeah, that's what I've got for number one. I think that's a good list. I think overall, buy the list. You'll buy the list? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. There were a couple of runner-ups. Um, Dad likes the Something is the Woods Bigfoot movie, which is actually a Christian film. He always brings that up. Um, the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> no, no, that needs to be like, if any, if any movie needs to be salt and burned, um, that one. Though there is apparently a new one. It's a uh, Lego Star Wars, and I have not watched it yet, but I, with eager anticipation, I wish to watch that soon just to see. Because also, Lego Star Wars makes nothing makes fun of Star Wars more than Lego Star Wars. If you've seen any of their clips or the video games or anything like that, it is hilarious. So, um, but no, the, the, what was it, like 79, 78 Christmas special Star Wars? needs to like find its place in the lowest level of hell or something yeah so since we brought up the lego movies and we've completed our list here of thanksgiving movies we had the top 15 (laughs) though we started with number 25 um, because it doesn't deserve to be in the top 15 (laughs) the nightmare before christmas is a bad movie i've said it from the pulpit um i'm not saying that you're you're necessarily condemned for watching it but i personally i can't stand that movie um but you talked about the Lego movies. The The Lego movie itself is is all right. But there's another live, kind of live action. It's I mean, it's an animated film, but it's kind of meant to look more like real Legos. Uh, that's called the Lego Ninjago movie, which evidently Ninjago is a set of Legos. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with them. I don't know anything about their canon or stories or whatever. But the Lego Ninjago movie is actually a phenomenal film that talks about fatherhood and it does it in a really good way. I actually may show it at the church because it has a better story than just about any of the modern movies I've seen. Mm. And I watched this with some others that brought it over to the house and they wanted to see it. And I watched it and I was like, that's actually a good movie. It kind of nails a lot of the problems we have going on in society. You've basically got a, a, a dad who doesn't want to really be the dad to his son and some evil and things creep in. And Mm. it takes place in this sort of team of, 
yeah. it, it's, a, it's a really good movie. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's actually a pretty good critique of modern society and also points you in the right direction back towards, um, oddly, the, the things of God, interestingly enough. Yeah. So that's a good movie. Well, and I think, yeah, the Lego movies have actually been quite quite good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I just, I do have it like this, this specifically, they, they do like little snippets of Star Wars using Lego um, uh, characters and they just... It's just funny. Yeah. Um, but I think whoever's in charge of the Lego, like if it's the major films or even their little clips or their video games, whoever's in charge of that writing uh, collection of writers is phenomenal because they just know how to like be hilarious and funny and also pick fun at themselves, not take themselves too seriously. But also, yeah, it is. It works well with, within the logic of Legos. It, there's a there's a weird kind of wisdom that comes from it yeah. that, that's quite profound. So um I wonder if, if after we have viewed this new Star Wars Lego movie, maybe it may be on next year's list. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. All right. So thank you for joining us. This is Kingdom of the Logos. We're going to wrap things up there. If you haven't checked us out on other places where we go live every Friday, um, after every Friday afternoon, the time may vary a little bit. Um, on Facebook, but also you can find our content on YouTube at Kingdom of the Logos and also on Rumble at the Nazarene Stream Preacher, though we may end up putting it on its own channel. So thank you for joining us again. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. Pastor Amanda Sparrow was here with us. Make sure that you're being faithful there in your local churches and everyone have a good Thanksgiving. God love you and have a blessed day.